Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer. Uh, today we're visiting with Kyle Bumstead. He's with Allendale. Kyle, good to have you on the uh, on the program with us again here on a Monday afternoon. First things first, let's talk about uh, the grain markets. Now there was a little bit of buying, uh, just a, the, the wheat markets ended just slightly higher, but it's a double-digit loss again for soybeans down 15 to 20 cents. Uh, corn was, uh, looks like it settles down one to three here in the nearbys. First of all, just your thoughts on the market. Coming out of the weekend, we had a fair number of headlines to to look at coming out of the weekend. What would you say was the attitude of the market here on a Monday? Well, I think the attitude of the market was uh, quote-unquote risk-off. And in the case of corn and soybeans, we have some uh, corn, soybeans, and wheat for that matter. We have uh, the March contracts expiring tomorrow, which some say it does, some say it doesn't. I think it does affect things when those uh, top steps get taken off or when they you know, cease trading or whatever. I think that that really does uh, change the psychology of a market because we don't run the risk of seeing deliveries anymore. We've seen deliveries in corn, soybeans, and wheat. So uh, when we get those put to bed here tomorrow, then that could ease back some of the, uh, some of the uncertainty here that we have. Now, uh, the things that we do have that are certain here as far as corn goes, and I think that's what kind of paired corn's losses here today, was national cash basis did improve week over week. So there's still some underlying demand for corn out there. Our uh, May July spread is still inverted. It's at ten and a half cents. Granted, that high was about fourteen and a half, fourteen and three quarters here at the end of January. So that's weak enough some, but still an inverse is an inverse no matter how small. It's it's still friendly a commodity. Now, uh, taking that over to the soybean side of things, basis has been uh, you know steady. I don't want to say it's weaker. I don't want to say it's stronger. It's just been steady week over week. And uh, there again, the spreads are friendly there too with that uh, May gaining on the uh, July there by about a half cent. It's 12 and three quarter cent inverse. That's getting up there near the life of contract highs for that spread, which is still fundamentally bullish long term. These markets are still fundamentally bullish long term, but we need a catalyst out there to get the non-commercial money to step back in here and start buying. But uh, the way we closed up here today, I'm going to chalk some of these spread moves up here to uh, just lack of volume here at the end, the last few orders coming in at the end of the day. So there was overall a general uh, quietness. You know, Volume was not that great here uh, given the uh, amount of uh, headlines we saw over the weekend. So I think some people just kind of you know said, well, let's just watch and see how Monday plays out before we go getting crazy with it. That being said, we were down today. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all to see us uh, rebound tomorrow on some you know turnaround Tuesday activity. Okay. Now you mentioned it before there that the fact that in corn, soybeans, and Kansas City wheat, the March contract has a premium to May. Uh, is that significant? Mm-hmm. Is there going to be some uh, uh, some moving around of basis or things like that? You know, when March actually does go off the board, or do you think that a lot of that has been taken mm-hmm. care of already? Mm-hmm. I think the most part of it's been taken care of, but it does still show us here with this inverse out there that. Uh, there is a chance, uh, a pretty good chance is what history has told us here. When we've seen these contracts, the expiring contracts go off higher than the preceding contracts or the next contract, the uh, the actual front month, uh, we have seen these uh, actually work up into that area. So I am looking for May corn to potentially get back up there to that 640 to 642 area, you know, here this spring yet. I, I think there's a good chance we can get up there maybe a little higher than that. And uh, December corn keeps holding out there above that 540 to 545 area, that significant support out there. Now, a lot of chart technicians are going to point out these uh, gaps on the daily charts. We don't have them on the weekly charts. They're just on the daily charts. Uh, 
July corn, a lot of folks are looking at July corn because there's a lot more interest in that month with volume and, uh, you know, open interest. So they're looking at that at 595 and a half. There's a lot of people that are looking to uh, do something once we get down to that area, whether they do or not. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. And on the uh, November soybean side of things here, we're looking at some major support down around that 1330 area. So when we get, uh, we're sitting right here above major support here in most of these markets here, both corn and soybeans. And after the drop, we've seen uh, the charts are oversold. We just haven't gotten that bullish uh, reversal pattern, which Friday looked like it was going to be a reversal pattern here on the daily chart. We just didn't see it happen on the weekly chart here in order for us to uh, maybe move ourselves into an intermediate uptrend on these complexes yet. Okay. Kyle, one of the headlines that came out uh, over the weekend was uh, all of a sudden uh, Russia decided they want to go ahead and negotiate uh, for the uh, Black Sea uh, corridor, export corridor. And then apparently all of a sudden we have a deal or it's pending or something like that. Uh, what effect is that going to have on the markets, do you think? I've seen it. I've seen, uh, yes, there's a deal. Then I've seen, no, there's no deal. And then I've heard, well, there's 60 days of a deal. So it's back to trading the same headlines that we've been trading here for almost two years or well, a little over a year on this uh, Russia-Ukraine deal. So I, it's it's tough to figure out what the madman's doing across the water at any point in time. So we're just going to have to take it as it comes. All right. Uh, did you say that there were some weather changes that uh, kind of hit the market uh, as those uh, weekend, uh, uh, what do you want to say, the weekend runs turned into weekday runs here? Uh, what's the latest? What are the weather headlines that you're watching? Some of the uh, some of the uh, weather, uh, the, the trade models there do kind of show it uh, drying up in Brazil. I don't know how significant that's going to be so you can get that safrinha crop in there and uh, get a few more beans combined there. Argentina's still dry. There was a little bit of chatter of some rain in their extended forecast as well, too. But one of these days, that's going to be done and over with. And I think one of the things we need to keep our eyes on there as far as Argentina weather is that bean meal market. And bean meal uh, did take a step back here today. But it's still very strong uh, overall as far as uh, inverses and, and cash market uh, basis there in the BL market. So that's what we need to watch there as far as Argentina. Now, stateside here, we get here uh, through the end of this week and first part of next week, we're going to start watching our weather here in the U.S. What is going to happen here with the Southern Plains? When are we going to start planting down there? What's our what's our forecast like here in Nebraska? What's our forecast like in Iowa? Where are we looking at here 30 days from now? What kind of weather forecast are we sitting in? Now, uh, when you look at long term, there's been a lot of headlines about La Nina being over. It's done. We're out of the drought cycle. I don't believe it yet. But uh, that's looking out my back window too, Chad. All right. Well, it's, uh, you know, usually that's kind of a dangerous thing. But nonetheless, it is important to be apprised and watching what the, the headlines are saying. Again, we've been visiting with Kyle Bumstead from Allendale. We'll continue with the Fontenelle final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Part two coming up, we'll talk a little bit of wheat. We'll talk about the bank situation in uh, Silicon Valley in California. What does that mean for the trade? We'll also take a look at livestock as well. So stay tuned. Again, the second half of the Fontenelle final bell is coming up just around the corner. Stay tuned to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer, joined once again by Kyle Bumstead with Alan Dale. Let's talk about this bank situation out in California because it, I think it uh, you made mention it did impact uh, trading today. Um, that that uh, Silicon Valley Bank, it, it, the the failure of that bank is that like one of our community banks failing? You know what put that that failure, I guess, into context and what does that mean for us in, in farming and agriculture? Sure, sure. Well, that SV, uh, the, SVB, uh, the SVB bank, the Silicon Valley bank, uh, it was a regional bank that has a very unique uh, clientele or audience and it's largely venture capital backed startup companies. Now, 
we got to keep in mind with these venture capital backed startup companies, these businesses typically have large cash deposits and then they'll go take that money out. They'll, they'll take big withdrawals, uh, you know, just to get them to the next stage of their business followed by in an ideal situation, uh, more funding. Now, uh, SVB's deposits grew pretty quickly over the last four or five years. And with that being said in banking 101, what's the bank have to do? Go buy bonds. This is where they went wrong or this is what went wrong. Um, I, I don't know if they were by any means reckless uh, as they were back in 2008, but they just didn't have enough there to cover their needs. And I also think that some of uh, some of that didn't get caught when they didn't have the bonds and uh, interest rates are going up. They uh, kind of got aid on the in-house spread there just a little bit. So when they're when investors are wanting their money to gain, you know, three, four, five percent on savings or whatever it is, and they're borrowing money at say, you know, say they're borrowing money at four percent, and they turn around and need to pass book it out at eight percent on savings they're losing money on that spread right there. And I think that had some weight on it too. So a little bit different clientele. I don't think it's necessary your local bank at this point in time. Now there have been some uh, other banks, uh, you know, out in New York city, there's rumor of a third bank here today, maybe, uh, getting, getting on the edge of, or, or, or on the edge of taking the plunge here too. Haven't got a confirmation on that, but yes, it's definitely something that, uh, has investors maybe taking some risk off. Now you wouldn't know that by looking at the uh, at the stock market and some of the precious metals, but looking at that precious metal, the gold, silver, platinum, those markets there were the safe haven today, and those definitely did see some rallies. Now the case in point, the gold market, um, as we sit here right now, it's up 48 bucks. It's up against major resistance up here on this 1920 area, so it needs to push up through that. But silver, it had a good day today. Another flight to safety asset there, up a dollar 41 there on that March contract at uh, almost 22 bucks. So. That's definitely, uh, you know, taking the risk out of a bank or out of cash and putting it into a hard asset like metals. Now, the dollar's been uh, down over a 1,000 points here at one time today, so I think that's having an effect on things as well. Okay, very good. Kyle, Let's uh, the time that we have left, let's talk a little bit about livestock. We have a cattle on feed at the end sure. of the week. Are folks already starting to think about that, Kyle? Yes, sir, they are. They're really talking about a bullish report and uh, looking at uh, numbers being potentially uh, placements 10% lower than a year ago, but... We've got to keep in mind some of these cattle on feed reports we saw a year ago and even four, five, six months ago, we had record high placements. So we could see that number down. Yes, I won't disagree with that, but we need to compare it back to last year. But I think instead of comparing it to last year, we need to compare it month over month. What are we doing month over month? I think that's the bigger number that we need to keep an eye on here. And when we look at things like, uh, say, the marketings here, there's there's a marketing number there, and that's going to look fairly friendly at 95.8%. Uh, that's going to look, I, I think that's going to hit towards the high end there because we saw some of the spreads like the April, June. That uh, gained some ground here during the month of February. So that tells me that there's some cattle that were moved and some of the commercials got some uh, got some coverage on. Now, looking out further, uh, some of the spreads are still in neutral territory out there. So we do need to keep in mind that, yes, it could be a bullish number, but we do need to respect where those spreads are at. And we are still in bearish territory on a lot of those deferred spreads. Okay. Uh, just quickly, what do the uh, charts look like for, for cattle? Are they well supported? Uh, what's going on with them? That's a very good question. Now, today specifically here uh, on Monday, March 13th, we gapped lower on this June contract here. We opened at 158.27 and a half, and uh, our high was 158.42. We were not quite able to fill that gap here uh, today. Now, uh, if we were to gap higher tomorrow, some would call it a short-term island bottom. I don't know as I agree with that just yet, but I was looking for a little bit more support even uh, after that reversal that we had last uh, Thursday, Friday, we've gone on four, we're, we're on fourth day here of uh, closing lower here or going down in this cattle complex. Now, 
Uh, the non-commercial traders, last commitments of traders data that uh, I've seen here, they do have a sizable long position. So there is some room underneath this market if they want to pull some money off. They're the ones that propped it up here. If they want to take some money off the table, we could see a setback. you got some support down there at that 161 to 162 in the April, and then you've got support down around that 156 area in June, and then you're looking down into the 154 area in June as far as downside targets. If this thing were to start violating and making new four-day lows, new four-week lows, and things like that, taking out that technical support. All right. Always good things to keep an eye on. Uh, Kyle, for folks that would like to follow along with some of the things that you do, give us your contact information. How can they get a hold of you? You can either wave at me when you drive through Erickson, or you can call me here at the office at 308-708-7340. All right, very good. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much, Kyle Bumstead with Allendale, our guest on today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Again, a reminder, trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It is brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealer. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.